Hey there, friends and listeners of the Rejoice Radio Podcast. Just wanted to give you that update again that we are rebranding, and our new podcast name is going to be the Free Willed and Fired Up Podcast. Still hosted by yours truly, I look forward to seeing y'all again on the next podcast. Today on the Rejoice Radio Podcast, we're going to discuss the topic of God dividing us from our friends and loved ones for our own good and for the fulfillment of His will and plan for Christians, found in Luke 12 and Matthew 10. Luke 12, verse 51 through 53 reads, Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Matthew 10, verse 35 through 37. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now detractors to God and his righteousness would see these as troubling passages that reveals a being who would see innocent families ripped apart arbitrarily for his own amusement. But this is far from the case for several reasons. Before we proceed further, we need to ask a few preliminary questions that are fundamental to properly understanding the text and God's workings. Number one, was this God's original intention for mankind and families? Was this before or after the fall where mankind developed a sinful nature that set all naturally apart from God's perfect will and intention for mankind? If this was not God's original plan for families, then why is he doing it? Number two, what do we do with things that are broken or messed up? What do we do with many forms of cancerous tumors that build up in the body? What do we do with misbehaving kids who don't follow the rules in the classroom? Number three, by what standard do you deem said families to be innocent? Are you privy to information that God is not Uh, with regard to one's true innocence, or is it the other way around? Number four, why do you assume that God is dividing family members arbitrarily or for no good reason? Do you not think that God acts with perfect reason? Number five, why do you think God, the creator of all things, doesn't have a right to do what he pleases with his creation? Does he not have a right to separate some of his creation from others? What if it were for the benefit of the creation? Number six, what do you think is God's nature and motivation? Do you think he is the objective standard of goodness, truth, love, and so on or not? Number seven, do you think it's wrong for God to say that you mustn't love anyone more than him? Why would he say this? Is it not appropriate that the creator should uphold the standard that the creation hold him in higher regard? Than other created things? Does it not show idolatry? 
and the breaking of the commandment which said to have no other before him, as his equal or greater in our minds and hearts, if we should value our family members or friends more? God doesn't divide families and friends because he desires to disunite the righteous from one another. Far to the contrary. All right, point number one, when God sets members of a household and so on against one another, one must consider what is actually being said and done here. Consider it as a means of identifying those who are of him and those who are of the world. All right, those who are righteous in Christ and those who are not. God sets families and friends against each other to divide the righteous from the unrighteous. The God-fearing from the God-hating, the sons of God from the sons of Satan. Bad company corrupts good morals, after all. Bad company can even be your own parents, brothers, sisters, children, and so on. It is painful to acknowledge the reality that not everyone in one's family or friend circle accepts God into their lives, hearts, souls, and minds as they should. There is no middle ground. Either you are of God or you are not. If you are not actively living a God-affirming life, then you are living a God-rejecting life. If you don't worship God, then chances are you worship yourself or God's made in your own image. Unfortunately, we are not perfect in living a God-affirming life as we should, but there is a significant difference between trying to live for God, trying to live for everything else that is not of God. This troublesome, trial-riddled task of preserving in one's faith while still living in the current fallen world is hard enough as it is. Therefore, as God clearly communicated, he wills for his people to avoid anyone or anything from the world that would make their devotion to him any more difficult than it is. And as he cares for the well-being of all, especially those who are already of him, then it only makes sense why God is willing to go to such lengths to separate those who love him from those who don't, even down to parents and children of the same household. God desires for us all to be united in our love for him. God desires for the family to be a God-fearing, God-abiding unit. As such, whatever grief we feel about the idea of families potentially being divided, don't forget, God is more grieved. His beautiful handiwork in the creation of the union of man and woman for the sake of creation and for the worldly and symbolic reflection of his nature and relationship with us has been corrupted at every turn since the dawn of man. No one values families more. Therefore, no one is more disappointed and hurt when they must be separated. And unfortunately, they must be separated. If there was a better way with respect to free will and all manner of other factors which only God can fully conceive of, and with respect to the development of the necessary character of Christians to survive the world and to be trained up the way the Lord calls us to be, then he would do so. Remember the word of God when it states in Romans 5, verse 3 through 5, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us.
the temporary divisions we must deal with now will lead to results in the end that will not disappoint us who seek to see and appreciate things as God does and wills for us to. All things will make perfect sense to us one day. As such, for the here and now, being provided with only enough reason, we must have faith and trust in God and in His ways. Division will be for our benefit and hopefully for the benefit of those from whom we are initially divided, who may after a season return to us and to God ready and willing to be a God-abiding family once more. It therefore becomes a true and necessary test to see where our allegiance truly is when times are tough. To God the Creator or to our own families and friends, the creation. If you reject God, then you'll have nothing. If you accept God, then you'll have all that you truly need. If in God you are divided from your family or friends, then do be disheartened of your state. Do not be disheartened of your state. Be disheartened for their state. Will your pain drive you to walk away from your family and friends forever? Or will it drive you to appeal to them as an extension of God's will for them to repent and to accept God so that you may be reunited in peace again? This test is not just to identify the righteous from the unrighteous, but it is also to test the righteous to see if they truly will live their lives as Christ's followers. Did Christ abandon those who were separated from him? Surely not. Neither should you. If you appeal as Christ appeals, and if they should reject you as Christ was rejected, then the fault lies not with you, but with them. If your heart still aches and calls for you to act, then do so. If it is at peace apart from your friends and family, then do not despair or feel guilty for making the correct choice in placing your faith in God above all else and for not compromising truth and morality for anything else. Point number two, consider it as a litmus test to see which family, uh, families and members of families are fit to be reflections of him and his righteous workings in the world. God is the one who establishes this test for families and friends, whereby if they are not sufficiently righteous in their faith to Him, then they will not have the understanding and love necessary to weather the test and to stay united by that alone which sustains all unity of man, God. Those who are not of God should expect such chaos as just punishment for their rebellion and hardness of hearts towards God and each other. Let it be sufficiently troubling so as to wake up those who are passively leading a complacent life in darkness to wake up and to acknowledge the light of truth and reason which directs one to God before it is too late. The tests and trials God sets forth for man should be considered a blessing for temporary troubles today may save such a one from an eternity tomorrow of inescapable torment and gnashing of teeth. Point number three, consider it as an opportunity where those who are initially fighting against each other may in Christ learn to fight for each other. This is not the first time that God has mentioned that those who are of him should not be associated with those who are not. We can see this in several passages such as Romans 16 verse 17, Titus 3 verse 10, 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 6, 2 John 
1, verses 10 through 11. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Numbers 16, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 18. And 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Just to name a few. Now, what is key here is that just like all of those other commands, this too connotes that the division isn't always meant to be understood as a permanent separation. Eventually, there will be a permanent separation, but only God knows when that time will come. And since we are blessed with another day, let us find the will to see it for the opportunity that it is to call those broken branches back to be reconnected to the tree of life eternally in Christ. After all, if you aren't willing to deal with and fight for your own family standing with God in the face of division, then what hope does everyone else have? So what can we take from this? Firstly, we can take that God does create the situation for division amongst family members, but not to disunite those who are truly in Him, rather to separate those who are in Him from those who are not, both in a temporary sense and in a permanent sense. This is also done for the betterment of those who are in Him and is a necessary struggle to produce resilient, graceful, persevering character for His people. If those who are not in Christ should find themselves or their family in a state of chaos and strife, then let it serve as a time for them to realize what life is like when they are not firmly rooted in God, but rather the flesh in the world. Better to have temporary consequences that produce a possibility for eternal salvation than no consequences that lead to eternal damnation for a family. If anyone should be upset at the separation of a blood relative, temporarily or otherwise, then let them take comfort that they have gained a multitude of brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers in the Spirit. And let them have hope that separation can be temporary and that God's original intention was for families to stay united forever in the right way. So offer yourself in prayer and duty to everyone so that your household may weather the storm of division and persevere together in blood and spirit. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Rejoice Radio Podcast. If you'd like to see myself or Pastor Randy in person, then please come join us at Rejoice Fellowship Baptist Church in Aiken, South Carolina, every Sunday at 1030 a.m. We'd love to have you. Feel free to like and follow our Facebook page, and be sure to send in your comments on how we can improve your podcast experience with us. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.